stand to our feet and take our Bibles in our hand. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. And I believe it. And I will not be conformed to the image of this world. I will be transformed by the renewing of my mind. Today, I'm taking another step toward God's plan, God's purpose, and God's destiny for my life. And I will never be the same in Jesus' name. If you believe that, shout amen. And we're continuing our series simply called Heart. Your heart. It truly is the defining factor of your life. The quality of your life, wherever you're at in life, in every facet of your life, flows out of the treasure that's in your heart. Now, that's the good news and the bad news. Amen? Uh, It could be bad news in that, oh, bummer. But the good news is, if you don't like an area of your life, by the grace of God, through the power of His Word, all you got to do is change the treasure. Change the deposits. And you can bring forth a different life. A better life. A God-filled life. Amen? Jesus said it this way in Matthew 12, 35. He said, a good person produces good things. A good person produces a good marriage. A good person produces good parenting. A good person produces good health. A good person produces good finances. A good person produces good things. A good person produces a good career. A good person produces a good life, right, from the treasury of a good heart. But an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. Now, listen, I want to clarify something. Because, man, who wants to say, you know, it's real easy to look at this and go, man, you know, I have some things in my life that aren't good. You just called me evil. Well, I didn't. Jesus did. But let me clarify something. We, we've all produced evil things in our lives. So I want to set the ground, just put all of us on level ground this morning, and myself too as your pastor. Let's just settle it right here and right now. We're all messed up. Come on, talk to me. In some area of our life, we're working on something. Okay. If we got it all sewed together, then why do we need a Savior? Why did He come to the earth? God became flesh and paid the price that He paid on that tree if we're okay. Talk to me. No, we're all messed up. That's why He came. That's why He saved us. Because we need a Savior. Amen? And we don't just need a Savior one time to save us and give us a ticket to heaven. We need a Savior meant to keep us saved. We need Him to keep us on track. Talk to me. Huh? And so, listen, I want to encourage you that word evil. Shelly did a study on that. You all right, baby? Okay. Oh, okay. She was looking for Josh, and there he is. Hey, say hi to your mother. Tell her you're. That's good. I saw a panicked look on her, and she, she was going to look for her baby. So. 
And it doesn't matter how old you be, buddy, you're always going to be the baby because you're the youngest. So just deal with it. We call him, we got to get out of the habit. He's like, Dad, quit calling me baby. I'm like a young man. I'm like, you're the youngest of the family. You're the baby. Sorry. And you know, it really doesn't matter if they're the oldest. My daughter, Christy, she, she's 20. She's still my baby girl. Come on. That's just the way it's going to be, isn't it? Huh? So got me off. Oh, so evil. Shelley did this study on that. And when it says an, an evil person, I have an evil heart. It doesn't mean that you're a murderer. It doesn't mean evil like that. That word evil simply means substandard in quality. Are you with me? It means substandard in quality. In other words, because you don't have the knowledge, we perish for a lack of knowledge, Hosea 4.6. Because we don't have the knowledge... Or, you know, the, or the, the skilled in what the Word says life should be in this area. Well, then as a result, we end up living far below God's standard. Does that make sense? And that doesn't mean God doesn't love you. It doesn't mean God's not mad at you. It just means, you know what? You can't, you, you can't bring forth what... You haven't freely you've received, freely give. You you can't give what you haven't first received. Amen? And so we're all in this journey of growing and realizing, and we all can look back at our life and go, you know what? If I would have known then what I know now, my marriage would have been different, my finances would have been different, my parenting would have been different. We're all making that discovery. Can I get an amen? So listen, this is not meant to beat you up or to, you know, berate you over your past or maybe some, some failures or some hurts or some wounds you're still recovering. You know what? This isn't to beat anyone up. We're all messed up. We're all recovering. And we're all in this journey together discovering the good things that God has for us. Amen? And so we're getting our hearts right. This is what this is all about. And we're in this together. So there's no place for judging. There's no place for how long have you been coming to this church? Dude. No place for that. We're all in this thing together, and we're moving forward to what God has in store for us. So the quality of your heart, it is the determining factor of your life. And you know what the good news is? Jesus came to give us a new heart. In Luke 4.18, Shelley commonly refers to this as Jesus' mission statement. Jesus says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. I love that. Right off the bat, he establishes the first thing. One of the first things Jesus came to do was to heal the brokenhearted. He came to make our hearts whole. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't come to just put a band-aid on the situation? Jesus didn't come just to slap a new coat of paint on the old us. No, Jesus came to do a whole new makeover job. Amen? And he demolished the old and he gives us a brand new heart. And he heals our hearts and he makes us whole from the inside out. To proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to send forth as delivered those who are downtrodden, bruised, crushed, and broken down by calamity. And you know what? We've all been there at one time or another. And the good news is, is Jesus came to deliver us. Jesus came to restore us our hearts. The whole reason the Son of God came to the earth was to heal our hearts. And you remember, our hearts were stolen in the Garden of Eden. The enemy stole our hearts. And as a result of that, our hearts became corrupt. In fact, 
the heart of humanity became so corrupt, God decided to do a makeover. It was called the flood. Remember, the heart and inclination of, of man's heart was evil continually. So God just started all over from scratch with Noah and his family. And then every prophecy, everything that took place from then on with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and every prophecy was foretelling the coming of the Son of Man who would come to the earth and give us a brand new heart. And he would write his laws on our heart because we already know laws on tablets couldn't get the job done. In fact, the whole reason the law on tablets came was to show us how we don't have what it takes to measure up. Amen? And so Jesus came to the earth and he said, you know what? I'm going to remedy that. I'm going to take outward uh, commandments on stone and I'm going to write it on hearts of flesh. And I'm going to change them from the inside out so now they instinctively bring forth my life that I've given them. Amen? And so that's what this series is. Is all about. Now, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that uh, every year I go to the doctor, I see my doctor, Galen Foley. She attends our church and uh, she gives me a, a, a complete lab workup. And uh, I do that just to make sure there aren't any problems. This year I added a test just to make sure all the levels were where they were supposed to be, and they are. Um, but I wanted to make sure I'm healthy and and uh, keep the cholesterol in check and triglycerides in check and all that. But you know what? It's easy to do. Stick your arm out and they poke that needle in that vein. You know, it's easy to do a physical workout, but sometimes it can be a little tougher because we, we hide who we really are on the inside, but sometimes it can be difficult to really examine and test what's going on on the inside. Talk to me, somebody. You know, you can't just stick a needle in it and run lab work. And you know what? We've learned at church to hide really well. How you doing, brother? I'm blessed and highly favored. <laughs> blessed coming in and blessed going out. Man, I'm so blessed. Dude, you, I just saw in the paper, you filed for bankruptcy. You ain't blessed. You stressed. <laughs> How you doing, brother? Blessed. I'm blessed. Everything's fine. Dude, you are on your third marriage. Everything is not fine. Got quiet this morning. Is someone on their third marriage? No. Listen, and let me say something about that. That's okay. It's okay in that you're not going to be judged, ridiculed, or criticized. We don't care about your past, but we do care about your future. Amen? And so there's no shame, guilt, or condemnation, if, even if you are on your third marriage. But here's where the concern comes. Here's what's not okay. is for you to not recognize that pattern. Because the only common denominator is you. Amen? So what is it in you that keeps causing that to fail? Well, pastor, it's not me. It's all those wild, wicked women. Okay, let's talk about that. What is it in you that makes you settle for wild, wicked women? Instead of the gorgeous, godly gal. 
need to exchange the WWW for the GGG. <laughs> Amen? Get the godly, gorgeous gal. And you can be through with wild, wicked women forever. So what is it in your heart? Pastor, I just, you know, my my first husband abused me, my second husband abused me, and then my third husband abused me. Well, what is it in your heart that allows you to settle for an abuser? That's what we're talking about. That's what we're dealing with. That's not okay. Does that make sense? That's, That's not okay for you to continue to live your life like that because life can be better. So 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, Examine and test and evaluate your own selves to see whether you are holding to your faith and showing the proper fruits of it. So we're going to go through this examination. We're going to test. We're going to evaluate our lives and see where we're at. Now, this is not a sexy message. This isn't, I mean, this isn't like us talking about blessed to be a blessing. That you makes you want to go, woohoo, and just yell the pain off the wall, right? But when we're talking about your heart and we're talking and dealing with what's really going on on the inside of us, do you know what? That's not fun. It's kind of like having a tumor removed. Who wants to do that? But if you're going to live a, an abundant life, a victorious life, an overcoming life, it's necessary. And here's why this is important because, see, one of the signs of a weak heart, one of the signs of an unhealthy heart, is a refusal to look at personal problems and take personal responsibility. That's one of the signs of an unhealthy heart. And the reason that's not good is because it causes us to avoid change. And the reason we do that is because if we have to change, then we think that means something's wrong with us. And if I have an unhealthy heart, I can't bear the burden or the load of something being wrong with me. I don't have the self-worth or the self-esteem to sustain that. You following this? And so we got to deal with that. We got to find the strength. Remember, the Bible says that Sarah received strength to conceive. And she brought forth Isaac along with Abraham. And so somehow, some way, we got to receive the strength of God to go, okay, God, I'm just going to receive enough strength to examine my heart and see where the weaknesses are, see where the issues are, and by your grace, I'm going to deal with them. I'm going to face them. I'm going to confront them. I'm going to quit hiding. I'm going to quit sweeping them under the carpet. I'm going to quit pretending like everything is fine. And we're going to finally get to the root of it and receive the healing and the wholeness that Jesus already provided. Amen? So the first characteristic of an unhealthy heart is marked by being spiritually weak, with no sense of faith in God or confidence in our Heavenly Father. And you know what? We, we In our present day Christianity, we get more excited about Jesus than our Father. And I believe the reason we do that is we resist the idea of a relationship with the Father because something in our hearts says fathers are not trustworthy. And I believe that is one of the main reasons the enemy puts so much pressure on men. I'm not saying women don't have it bad, but I'm here to tell you, I believe the enemy targets the men. Because if he can get dad in the affair, if he can get dad strung out on pot, if he can get dad working where work is his God, if he can get dad to get so caught up into anything and everything but mama and the kids, talk to me somebody, if he can get dad twisting off, 
Well, then what happens is those kids growing up, because the horizontal ain't right, now it's difficult, not impossible, but now it's more difficult for them to relate to God as their heavenly father. Because this one was so messed up. Does that make sense? No pressure, man. But listen, whether you had a good father or not, you're without excuse because the Bible says that God is a father to the fatherless. He's a father to the fatherless. And listen, you're going to have to learn to relate to God as your father. In fact, until you relate to the heavenly father, we will not receive all that God has for us. And the whole reason Jesus came was to show us the father. You remember there was one uh, in the gospel of John, there was a time when Jesus said, he's teaching his disciples and he says, you know what? In that day, what day? He's referring to the day that would come when he would give his life as a sacrifice for our sins. And he said, in that day, I tell you, when that happens, when that event takes place, you're not going to pray to me. You're not going to ask. Because see, Jesus, while he was there physically, the disciples talked to him. Jesus, we need this. Jesus, we need a miracle. Jesus, this guy's blind. And Jesus said, hey, there's coming a day when I pay the price for your sins. There's going to come a day. You're not going to come to me. You're not going to ask me for anything. But I tell you, whatever you, you're going to ask the Father yourself. The same way I pray to the Father, the same relationship I have with the Father, you'll have the same relationship with Him that I have. And I tell you, in that day, you'll ask me nothing, but you'll ask Him. And whatever you ask Him in my name, He'll give you. Amen? I don't know about you, but that's good news. Think about this. Think it, the, Jesus is called the firstborn among many. The firstborn of the dead. The firstborn among many brethren. Well, if Jesus is the... If Jesus... Jesus, right here. Thought this was John. This is Jesus. If Jesus is the firstborn, then that means there's a second and a fifth, sixth, fifth, up to millions. How many Christians are there? So who knows? Roger can be the millionth, 556,000th born. Who knows? But somewhere we're in this line. Jesus is the firstborn among the brethren. And then whoever got born again after that and made Jesus Lord would be here. And it goes on. And the line would go around the world multiple times. All the believers that have lived past, present, and future would be in this same line. And so we have the same relationship, the same equality in our relationship with the Father that the very Son of God has. That is powerful. That is powerful. Now, listen, I didn't say we're equal to him. He is divinity. We're not divine. Jesus is God. He's divinity. So I'm not saying that we hold the place of divinity. But when it comes to relating to the Father, we have the same access, we have the same rights, and we have the same privilege. God the Father, Jesus doesn't have his ear anymore than you do. I'm going to say that again. When it comes to prayer, and the Bible, thank you, John. The Bible says Jesus in Hebrews, Jesus is always, always making intercession for the saints. You think God hears him when he prays? I said, do you think God hears him when he prays? You think God hears you when you pray? Good. The answer is just as strong, and it should be. 
Because you know what? You have the same access. And listen, this is why this is important. So many people, when they have a need, and listen, I love praying for people. I appreciate you praying for me and praying for our family. We have the prayer wall back there. But let me tell you something. No one cares more about your stuff than you do. And so many times I wonder when we have a need, I even wonder before we ever go to someone and say, hey, brother, hey, sister, will you pray for me? How long have you prayed about it? We're so quick to call TBN. We're so quick to call the, the, prayer, the prayer line on the radio station. Don't get me wrong. I'm thankful for those things. But you know what? Man, my, 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 my mama needs something. My babies are going through something. You know what? I appreciate you praying, but I'm going to hold a God on behalf of my family. Because no one cares about my family more than I do. Amen? And so listen, you need to know you have that boldness. You have that access. You have that right. Hmm? You have as much right to the Father as the very Son of God had. Hmm? So that, that's a characteristic of an healthy, health, unhealthy heart is that weak image. Okay, the second is someone who's hungry for attention, approval, and someone to value and validate. Now, listen, I'm not talking about kids. You know, Daddy, watch me. Mama, did you see how fast I ran? Okay, I'm not talking about the healthy validation that we give our kids, all right? This is really applying to adults. I'm talking about people who, you know, they search for ways to show off accomplishments. And listen, I'm not talking about someone being proud. Hey, Pastor, I finally got the degree. Hey, I finally graduated. That's a good thing. You need to be proud of that. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is using that accomplishment to hide behind. Using that accomplishment to define you. Okay? Using your success as something to hide behind, as something that defines you instead of an event. Because here's what happens. If you use a successful event to define you, then what happens if you ever experience failure? If success defines you, then what does failure do? Failure defines you. And then because you're a failure, man, it's, real, it's harder to get back into the race. But if success is just something I bring out of my heart, okay, the economy changed. You know, something turned for the worse. I, I didn't foresee something. Things changed. I'm experiencing failure. Well, that's all it is. Just like I experienced success, now I'm experiencing this event called failure, but it doesn't define me or lessen my self-worth. It's just an event. And because I've experienced the event of success, I can change this, turn this around, and experience it again. Does that make sense? But it doesn't limit me. It doesn't contain me. It doesn't define me. Okay? So, an unhealthy heart fears failure and uses success as validation. And then when failure comes, they have a hard time getting back in the race. Number three. This one's big. This one's big. It happens in marriages and churches. Ready? Afraid of commitment. Feels the drive to run from long-term relationships. Whether that be a spouse a church, or a job. They go from relationship to relationship to relationship, church to church to church to church, job to job to job to job. Why? Because right when people get to know you, you're out. Done. Why? They may get to know you. Maybe you fear rejection. Maybe people do get to know you, and you do experience rejection. Maybe it's, there's some reality in that. Maybe you don't want to confront the deals. Why do people reject me? Okay? Maybe you don't want to confront that. I don't know. But this person runs from, runs from long-term relationships. Okay? Some people become nervous and leave 
because people become too close, so they begin to look for an escape. You know how this works? Here how, here's how this works in relationships, in churches, in jobs, okay? You remember how many uh, of us old folks, and I'm raising my hand, how many remember S&H green stamps? Oh, yeah, good. I'm in good company. Yeah. In fact, I remember mama, my mom, using S&H green stamps right here in this building when it was M-System grocery store, Okay. And, uh, and the way it would work is when you would buy so many groceries, however much money you bought, you'd get a percentage of that in return with S&H green stamps, and you would put them in the book. And when the book was full, then you can get all sorts of goodies. You could get like a new pancake griddle. <laughs> Glory to God. You could get that new waffle iron or whatever, you know, but, but you, you got something good because, man, you were diligent and you, man, I, I don't need any money. I got a full S&H green stamp. I want this right here. I got, I got the full book full of S&H green stamps. And what happens when you go to relationships, it, you come into a relationship, you come into a job, you come into church, man, worship's good. and You just can't say enough good about the church. Man, it's good. And Man, that word was just for me. How did the pastor know I needed to hear that? But then all of a sudden, you begin to switch. You begin to change your tone. Man, something must be up with the pastor, man. I'm just not getting it. I'm, I'm, just, I'm, not, I'm not getting fed. I'm not, and, and, and man, the music, man, I used to like that. The music's loud. You know what happens? You begin to chalk up all the negative things. Maybe the usher didn't, didn't greet you. Maybe he didn't see you. And, he didn't, and you begin to fill your S&H green stamp book. Seriously, it works. And what happens, you begin to fill it up with all the negative things. And you begin to put stamp after stamp after stamp. Works in marriage. Works in relationships, works on jobs, works in churches. And then what happens, man, when your book is full, now you got all the justification and rationalization you need to leave. And you're right. You got the full S&H green stamp book to prove it. And no one can tell you anything. Huh? And you can't receive anything. You can't receive change. You can't receive correction. What? Got my full SNH green stamp book. Huh? And you won't hear and you won't allow any input, any wisdom. That's why the Bible says that wisdom that's from heaven is full, is, is, is full of peace and it's willing to yield. The fact that you're not willing to yield means that your heart is hard. Is this all right? Number four. Once the quick fix. Cannot delay gratification. Needs satisfaction now. I don't want to be faithful to church. I just want to get, go to the special service and get a miracle. Today I'm taking another step. I don't want to take another step. Change the way I eat. When is that next Benny Hinn meeting? Blow on me. Make me fall down. Make the cholesterol right. Can you do that? Do you pray for that? Huh? Change my diet? I don't want to change my diet. I ain't giving up tortillas or friolis. Not doing it. Get thee behind me, Satan. I ain't doing it. Huh? Just, just pray. Just let me live however I want. Marriage, marriage impact every month. Y'all do that every month? What? Every, every month? Why do you do that every month? Why can't you just do a series and it's done? Speak to every month? What, 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 I told her I loved her. If it changed, I'll let her know. And date night. What do you date night? I'm busy on Fridays. She knows I'm busy. Huh? No, so you got to take those steps. You got to see, we want the quick fix. Get married? I don't want to get married. Let's just live together. 
See, want satisfaction now, want fulfillment now, don't want to wait. I don't want to wait. I don't want to save. I don't want to, I don't want to save and invest. I just get the credit card. Just put it on the card. Okay? It's a sign of a weak heart, unhealthy heart. Once the quick fix, cannot delay gratification, needs satisfaction now. Number five, you still with me? Avoids the pain of reality with drugs, alcohol, food. That's the Christian drug, by the way, food. I'm sorry, fellowship. Fellowship. Cars, sports, jobs, or anything that will dull the senses from the real world. Anything that will dull the senses from the real world. Now listen. I had a counselor one time tell Shelly and I, hey, I figured out she was a licensed professional counselor. and She uh, dealt with alcoholism and drug addiction. And, and uh, we referred people to her and she said, hey, I figured out why people do drugs. I'm like, really? Why? She goes, because they work. For a short while. They dull your senses. You'd pop enough tops. Life's good. You know, I've been into some counseling appointments. I've counseled some women. Their husbands were there. I've counseled. I'm like, dude, I'll pop a top with you. I'm not married to her and she's driving me crazy. Like, woman, you need to be glad that's all he does. <laughs> I'm joking. Kind of. Didn't say I agree. I'm just saying I understand why he chooses to escape. But that's what we do. I can't fix the marriage. I can't fix the nagging. I cannot make her go away. Or can I? Wow, she gets more faint the more I drink. (laughs) We're laughing. Hopefully a little spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. But in all seriousness, that's exactly what we do. And we do that to cover up the pain of a failed marriage. Loss of a job. Not being where we hoped life would be. And we drink it away. We drug it away. And some of you who would never. You would never think about that. You just simply take Loratabs. And think it's godly. Because you did it legally. Through a doctor. And really he's not your doctor. He's just your legal drug pusher. Same thing, you're escaping. Same thing, you got an unhealthy heart. Same reason people bought the bag of marijuana, which, you know, you snub your religious nose out at, you know, you would never do that. Oh, of course you never would. You'd go to CVS to buy yours. No different. One's legal, but it doesn't make it right. And we do that to avoid the pain of reality. And 
until you allow Jesus to speak to your pain. Heal the pain. You'll always be looking for an escape. Number six. Cannot face the pain of truth, so hides behind pride, ego, and image. How you doing? Blessed, highly favored. We hide. It's where we get to keep up with the Joneses. I don't have any furniture in the house. They took it out. But you know what? When you look on the outside of the house, you'll never know. Right? I got to keep up pretenses. Keep driving the car. Park it at a different place. And so they can't see it to tow it off. Why? Got to keep up the image. Okay? Can't face the pain of truth. So we hide behind pride, ego, and image. Seven. This one's very common. Uses anger and hostility to cover weakness and frustration. The mantra of these people are, if I yell, just yell louder, I can win the argument. If I yell louder, the louder I yell, that means I'm right. Because I'm louder than you. So I'm right. No. You're a very insecure child. I've discovered that the most the, the louder and more most more belligerent people are, usually the more insecure they are. Number eight. Runs from one thing to another, looking for what only the Heavenly Father can give. So you run from this, run from that. That can be a hobby, it can be a sport, which aren't bad in and of themselves, but you run to them as a substitute. To try to fill emptiness in your life. Number nine. Still with me? Fear's failure. Uses success as validation and to prove self-worth. We talked about this in number two. In being hungry for attention, approval, and someone to value and validate. So they fear failure. And so they use success as validation and to prove self-worth. And then lastly, number ten. Questions and doubts that those who love him are sincere or committed to the long term. Committed for the long term. Questions and doubts that those who love him are sincere or committed for the long term. You know what? I have a weakness. Actually, I have a strength. They say that one of the definitions of a weakness is a strength pushed to an extreme. And I have what I believe is a strength, but it probably is pushed to an extreme. It probably comes along with the territory of being a pastor. And that is, I love and trust people with all my heart. And I do that pretty much from the get-go until you prove that you're untrustworthy. And to me, that's always easier to live that way. And you know what? The, the downside is you get hurt, you get disappointed, and you get used. But at the end of the day, that's always been easier for me to recover than to be... What did you really mean by that? You know, I don't have time to read through... The lines or whatever, I just take you from face value until you prove I can't do that. You know, and it's that the weak side of that has cost me some hurt, some disappointment, some people taking advantage of me. But you know what? One of the definitions of an unhealthy heart is it's people who question, and not because I don't want to be the other extreme. The other extreme is, are people who question and doubt that those who love him and are sincere are committed for the long term. And you see people, you know, it's like you're guilty until you prove you're innocent. 
It's like women who have been in so many abusive relationships. Every man is an abuser until you prove you're not. You know, and then if you just get a little heated and go, hey, and you kind of raised your voice, not you didn't yell, you just kind of raised your voice, see, you're just like the others. <laughs> Dude, are you serious? You know, and, and we're laughing, but that's serious, and it, and it flows out of that. You're, everything's, every person is judged through this filter, this wound of being hurt and being disappointed. It's that SNH Green Stamp book. I've been hurt and trampled uh, so many times that everyone's kind of marked. And then if they prove, you know, they didn't screw me this time, then I'll pull a stamp off the book. What a sad way to live. What a limiting way to live. And you know what? I just refuse to live that way. I I just choose to go, oh, well, you know disappointing, Jesus heal me, help me, and move on, and the next person I'm not me. Otherwise, you know what you do? You make every next person you meet pay for what someone else did. What's the liberty in that? What's the fairness in that? Are you with me? And so, you examine your heart, these ten things, where are you? And I'm sure there are one or two or three things that you went, ooh, high cholesterol right there. Ooh, high triglyceride right there. Hmm? And you know what? We're all in this thing together, amen? And so what I'm asking you to do is, man, examine those things. And, you know, over the next few weeks, why don't you just believe God? And let's start walking on this journey of recovery and believing God because it's a process. You know, and there's times in praise and worship, something can shift and change and God supernaturally does something in your heart. Shelly and I, you know what? I went to a counselor and something, and, and it was through the expertise of a spirit-led Christian counselor. And, he, and, and actually, it, it was an issue I was able to deal with, but I didn't see it. I, I tried to examine all my never saw it. Don't know if I just... Refused to see it or what, but when I saw God, counselor, and he's, you know, mirror, ew, ugly, you know what? Rooted it out. Hmm? So it can be during praise and worship, it can be seeing a counselor, it can be as you're spending time in the Word, the Word of God, some scriptures leaps off the page, and God begins to deal with you. But whatever it is, listen, let me encourage you allow the Spirit of God to make your heart whole. Will you do that? Amen. Next week, we're going to talk about the characteristics of a healthy heart. And I believe that I encourage you. Did you learn something? Well, listen, before we, we uh, end and close.